Hi, I'm Ben. I'm Corin. And I'm Jordan. And we want to welcome you to our podcast, Society Reborn. The first few weeks of this podcast, you'll get a glimpse into the lives and past history of myself, Corin, and Jordan. After these first few weeks, uh, we'll start bringing on guests every now and then uh, to cover just other topics in general in society that we've seen inconsistencies across the board, uh, whether that's something in regards to mental health in men and just in society in general, or whether that is standards for relationships and what people are expecting when they're going into a relationship. During each episode, we will also be trying a beer during the episode. And so throughout the entire episode, we are going to be telling you our thoughts and opinions on that beer from anywhere from flavor to just general overall taste and if we enjoy that beer or not. While listening to these podcasts, if you have any, if you're going through anything or just really struggling with anything, feel free to reach out to us. We have our email address is societyreborn2020 at gmail.com. Now you can reach out to us whether it's you're struggling with something and you just want advice or if you have a beer that you want us to try or a whiskey you want us to try. Feel free to reach out to us with ideas um, for future episode topics as well. Now let's get into this week's episode of Society Reborn. Alright, so the beer for this week's episode is called Dark Charge Bourbon Barrel Aged. Uh, It is an Imperial Stout from uh, the Dark Charge series. This is the last of the series that we are trying. Uh, The first ones we tried were the Vanilla uh, and the Tiramisu. So this is just going to be the straight Dark Charge. Should have, uh, should taste like dark chocolate with some coffee. As it warms up, you'll probably get uh, some vanilla, uh, maybe some like molasses. Um, and it was aged in oak barrels, so you will hopefully be able to taste that as well. Uh, what do you guys think of the beer? It's interesting. Um, definitely, like you were talking about, kind of a chocolate taste, but like. Um, like raw cocoa not like sweet it's it's definitely yep. almost it's got kind of a bitterness to it i yeah, like the, it the, the dark chocolate um yeah one of the first things i noticed um first of all just taking a whiff of it yeah you definitely get that kind of bourbon like mm-hmm. smell to it um and then yeah taking that first taste of it uh that was definitely one of the things that hit me too like there's a bit of that uh chocolate taste and after i swallowed then realizing like I was getting that dark chocolate like mouthfeel that you get like it like mm-hmm. you said the cocoa it's it's mm-hmm. that little bit of bitterness and almost almost feels like your mouth is dried out a little bit it's not but you know it has that little bit of dark chocolate feel to it and I I think it's interesting yeah I think it's definitely cold I think it's definitely better than that vanilla one was that we yep. had mm-hmm. uh, the vanilla one was I don't know like when it warmed up it was fine but when it was cold it was just kind of blah it was like mm-hmm. missing something I don't know. Uh, this one, yeah, it definitely, you, the dark chocolate's heavy at the beginning, um, but I think it tastes really good. Yeah, definitely, I agree. So, it is a 13%, yeah, 13% alcohol beer, you know, yeah. it's a stout, it's typical, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so we're going to dive on into this week's episode. Um, so, this week, we're kind of talking about, uh, I listened to an audio book um, called Unwanted, I mean, it just got me thinking a lot about things that could have happened, like, growing up or uh, just throughout my past um, that kind of has shaped me psychologically. Um, 
And so I was wondering if you guys have had like experience like that as well. Like the first like example I'll give just to kind of help you guys think about this is like growing up, I was picked on quite a bit when I was like really young, uh, like elementary school, even through junior high um, and some of high school just because I was really small. Um, but yeah, so like for me, it was a big thing. I struggled a lot with a like, confidence, um, which that like lack of confidence turned into projecting confidence in a very arrogant sort of way, which I think also led to like a bit of an, like an identity crisis, uh, that like I ended up having later in life because everything that I had become quote confident in with myself was all stripped away. Um, and so all that was left was basically me. And I was like, I don't know who I am. Um, and I wasn't really like confident enough to try to find out. Cause I was just like, Oh, I probably don't have any qualities that are really that great. Um, and yeah, like it was just, it was kind of rough, but I was just like wondering like, if you guys had like a similar experience where you've had like things in your past or like, what do you think that could possibly be caused by, um, like, how do you think, like, what do you think people could do to help themselves from going down that path of basically not having any sort of, like, confidence in themselves? I mean, that's an interesting question. I, um, in some ways, I, you know, I kind of think that, uh, experience of uh, is a little bit unavoidable um just in the sense of i i I think everybody kind of has stuff that happens to them when they're younger that they sort of form a philosophy of life almost or an outlook of life um off of sometimes even like just kind of unconsciously and it's not always bad but i think a lot of times that does kind of i would say it's probably not uncommon um for people and I can kind of relate to what you're talking about having certain experiences that just leave you with almost like a a promise you've made to yourself where you're like I'm never gonna get into that scenario again or I'm never gonna let that happen again and that can almost be like driving you um without you even really realizing it um Mm -hmm. that's not always like a terrible thing I I don't I don't think it always has to be like traumatic but in terms of that I don't know I think it's worthwhile to kind of go back and re-examine some of those two though and and re-examine whether or not that's pushing you towards becoming somebody that you want to be or causing you to relate to the world in ways that don't really do justice to who you're wanting to become um and just for example for me like while while you were talking about that and kind of thinking over this whole topic, um, something that's been coming up for me more recently is just an awareness that, uh, I've, since I was pretty young, learned to, um, use, use humor as a way of kind of controlling situations. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I've realized like I, I reach for that really quickly now and sometimes in scenarios that like 
end up sort of putting other people down or or um using it to like turn a situation lighthearted that is not necessarily meant to be or, or shouldn't shouldn't be I kind of lighten up scenarios that make me uncomfortable but you know the, some stuff is heavy and you gotta just face it that's <laughs> not always a great way to cope with uh things that happen in life so that I was I was kind of thinking about that and I'm the stuff I remember from like really really young has this sort of common theme of being put out in front of people in a way that like never really turned out well and it wasn't I don't don't think anybody was being malicious but um I can remember like specifically this one memory I have from when I was really young I was helping my mom do something like do an announcement in front of this group of people and I can't even remember exactly what it was but I said something and I was like four years old or something like that it was like I said something that people thought was cute but I got this whole room of people laughing at me and I thought they were like laughing at me and so I it destroyed me I ran out of the room crying it's not again the most traumatic thing that's ever happened but there's a reason that that's still like when I think of being a kid that's one of the memories that surfaces most Mm. easily Mm. yeah and I definitely can relate to you know, being generally speaking, the smaller person in whatever group I'm in, I've never been huge. I've never been super (laughs) athletic. So humor just became a way of like, Oh, I can control this situation. If I can get people laughing, if I can get them laughing with me, not at me. Mm -hmm. Um, which in some ways is good. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. not always that. I mean, there's a lot worse ways to deal with stuff in life, but, but yeah, like I said, I mean, some, some ways that can cheapen moments that shouldn't be laughed at, or, um, it can kind of trample over someone else for the sake of trying to make something humorous just so I feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. Um, I think you brought up a good point that it's important for us to go back and kind of look at these things and like reevaluate them later down the like down the line. Because um, I think a lot of that is it helps you learn about yourself, but it also helps you like see areas you've grown um, and like see areas that you've changed. Uh, like for me, one of the big things was. Like, growing up, like, getting made fun of and all that, like, I was a smart individual. Um, probably borderline nerdy, I guess you could say, uh, <laughs> just because I was a really good student, and both my parents teach. Um, but it was one of those things that I became very, like, unconfident in myself to the point that, like, you guys know me now. Mm-hmm. And know that I'm fairly extroverted now. Right. But there was a long stretch of, like, my life where I was very introverted. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of that goes back to just the fact that I wasn't confident in myself of, like, who I even was. So then I would try to basically shelter myself 
so I didn't open up an opportunity to become embarrassed about mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think I've definitely become a lot more comfortable of like, if I make a fool out of myself, I don't really care because oh, yeah. that's, it's me. Um, and if you don't like it, okay. If you do, great. Um, I guess like the biggest exception would be like dancing. I just hate dancing. I refuse <laughs> to do it. Same. Like, we could be at a wedding and people would be like, you should be out there dancing. I'm like, no. And they're like, why not? I was like, I'm just not good at it for one. Two, I just don't enjoy it. I would much <laughs> rather sit around and talk to people than I would like go on a dance floor. Okay. That's like a real blanket statement. Have you tried like line dancing or something? Just kind of I've tried that stuff. Okay. But I'm just like, I'm just saying like in general of just like, going out and doing those things mm-hmm. I don't personally enjoy um, and so I wouldn't continue to do that sure uh, like long term a lot of it's just like a confidence in myself um, that now I have where if I'm going out with a group of friends I'm not going to shy away from a conversation um because it used to be I'd be like afraid to say something to make a fool out of myself. And now I'm just, I don't really care. And I just kind of say what I think I should say in this situation. And if it's received well, okay. If it's not, okay. Um, but yeah, I, that's probably the biggest thing I really realized with confidence of just being comfortable with myself now as opposed to like before. Yeah, I I think this is an interesting topic. Um, I know it's like, obviously, we, we talked about doing this as a topic, and I've been racking my brain trying to think through some of that stuff. And, like, honestly, nothing's coming to me, mm-hmm. which, I mean, like, as we talk here, like, I, I feel like I've always been pretty comfortable with myself. I've known who I am, like, kind of, kind of just embraced the fact that, like, yeah, I wasn't the sports kid at all. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I played football through elementary school and middle school, but didn't really care that much like it was Mm -hmm. just it was something I did but like just kind of embrace the fact that like I was a smart kid like and just went on with that but yeah I think it's interesting some of those like just ideas of like what were things that happened that made me who I am today that like maybe I don't even realize Mm -hmm. like and so like it's definitely been something that I've been you know working through in the last few days like trying to figure out what are some of those things in my life that have led to this corn was just born as like a 60 year old man i mean pretty well (laughs) my sister has said my whole life that i'm just you know an old guy that doesn't like to have any fun pretty well (laughs) i always was the kid that just would rather sit around with the adults at family gatherings Mm. and talk rather than go out and run around with the rest of the kids and i was called boring for it which discuss your investment portfolio and yell at kids to get off your lawn exactly (laughs) i could that's the thing too is just going off of that uh like what you said if you would rather be in talking to the like older people in your family i've thought about this quite often of looking back at people that i would have said and i still call friends to this day that i grew up with of those people i think there's one maybe two that would be my age or younger than me pretty much everybody mm-hmm. I hung out with and got along with really well was at least 
there's one person a year older than me. Otherwise, for the majority, it was two plus years older. Um, and the people that I still stay in touch with uh, from growing up, like one of them is somebody who babysat me. Mm-hmm. And they're literally like, I think seven or eight years older than I am. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like I've always related better to people who are older than me. And I don't know if it's necessarily like from a confidence standpoint that that's just who I'm more comfortable around or if it's like part of me wonders if I like didn't like have a faster maturation process mm-hmm. growing up where I just the way I was raised with like my parents, if there were some things that I just didn't ever do and didn't really go through a certain phase because of how I was raised. Um, and I've never really like, thought about that that deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just like a thought I have. Like, was there something that like I matured faster just because the way I was brought up, which I mean, I'm sure is probably has something to do with it. Like how strict your, like my parents were and uh, that sort of thing. But yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's something I've always thought about of just like my friends have always been, at least like a few years older than me, like growing up, up until like I moved up here. Mm-hmm. And now I have like pretty much all my friends like my age or within a couple of years, either direction. Except for the old man sitting over here. Yeah. Except for Jordan. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious as you say that, uh, just a thought that popped into my head, like that element of confidence. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like if it's because when you're around like older people, you, you aren't expected to be, the one that knows everything. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have the same amount of confidence, that's fine. Whereas when you're with people, either you're like your age or younger, you're expected to be one that is at least on the same level, if not is, you know, mm-hmm. better in quotes, you know, than the ones that you're around. And so when, when you're around some of those older, that y- you're able to feel less confident and not feel bad about feeling less confident around them, maybe. I'm wondering, too, if it's something of you feel like the people that are your age, you should enjoy the same things Mm -hmm. and you should know the same things that they know, like pop culture things, which I never did. Oh, same here. Um, So I wonder that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might be onto something there, too, because that could very easily be like that case. Yeah. And I, I, I was thinking back a little bit, like just talking through some of like with me feeling like not as uncomfortable and not having that lack of confidence necessarily. But like, I'm wondering if part of that also for me comes from, I mean, my sixth grade class had 13 people in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, it it was very much like we all knew each other. We knew all the great things and all the terrible things about each Mm -hmm. other. And like, so when I was comparing myself to others, which I don't feel like I did consciously much, but I'm sure I was doing it subconsciously quite a bit like you you nothing stuff doesn't stand out as much like you you feel a little bit better there and i'm curious if like that's part of it and before we move on i just want to say if you guys haven't tried another sip of the beer like that bourbon is really starting to come out on top right now Mm -hmm. and i really like it yeah it'd be interesting because i my i graduated with like 60 kids in my class and we was the same 60 kids all the time um like through elementary and everything so it's still small i still feel i feel like i knew mm-hmm. everybody well but i think that could be a difference too because 13 
you would know literally everything. Granted, once I got to junior high, high school, that jumped up to about, I think I graduated with 43. Okay. But, so it got larger, but those develop, real developmental years of early childhood, like it was me and, you know, 10, 12 other people really that were my core group of right. classmates. So I don't know if that might have been something. I don't know. Yeah. But I guess at the same time, I also know other people in my class and other people that went to that school and stuff who definitely did struggle with some of that stuff. And so I'm not saying that's necessarily a solve all solution. I'm yeah. Just maybe I'm, I'm trying to think through the things, you know, that it put me where I was. But yeah, if you haven't noticed, this episode is kind of just going to be a thinking out loud sort of thing. Um, I had presented this topic, was it Monday or Tuesday? of this week and we've all kind of just been thinking about it um it's something even going into the episode we were especially me i was like i have no clue where this thing's gonna go um just because it's something that i think is really hard to actually wrap your like mind around and really i don't think it's gonna be we're gonna have a definitive answer for um but it's more so just something to get you thinking Mm -hmm. of just different aspects of your life that you may not enjoy but like look back at your past and just kind of see if you can pinpoint areas that may have led you to have that Uh, you might look at them as like damaged areas of your life but look to see where that is and then try to find either why that area of your life doesn't bring you joy and Find ways to help bring that joy into that area of your life. Yeah. And it, that's something I'm really excited about for this podcast is I think we're going to have a lot of episodes like this where it, there's a lot of just kind of like that thinking out loud. And like that's something that we discussed going into starting this podcast. Like, mm-hmm. yes, there's these topics that we definitely want to talk about and we want to bring attention to. But there's also like that element of like just being able to have a real discussion. I mean, like we said, that's why we have a beer with every podcast or some drink of some sort, like because that will open up discussion and like just being able to open up those doors, have those discussions, think things through, you know, I'm I'm really excited for that. Like this episode and looking forward as those keep to come up, keep Mm -hmm. coming up. I'm curious, actually, because while you guys are talking, like, I, something I've also noticed recently in myself that I've been kind of trying to trace back, not with a ton of luck, but it's got me thinking when you're talking about, like, a, a lot of the, a lot of your community when you were younger was people that was were older than you. Um, how do you think that's translated kind of into your relationship with authority now? And specifically, did you ever like go through any kind of rebellious phase, or because um, I I was I I'm and I'll try to clarify where this is coming from. I've noticed in myself I'm someone that responds like very. Um, I'm a, I'm a real like kind of rules structure oriented person. Mm-hmm. So if there's someone in any kind of position of authority over me and they have expectations, like it's really hard for me to go against those mm-hmm. without some <laughs> real core, like, no, I at a root level disagree with what you're asking me to do right now. Um, 
I'm not entirely sure where that comes from, but I, I, that my like pushing back on that is to kind of go unnoticed or, or to, I'm, I'm very rarely like fragrant, fragrantly, flagrantly. (laughs) You smell all the time. I'm very rarely fragrant. Uh, No, I'm very rarely like flagrantly openly rebellious against something. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and I wouldn't say I like came from the exact same kind of situation. I, I feel like most of my friends growing up were roughly the same age as me. I did come from like a smaller school when I was younger, but I, I switched to like a larger public school in high school so that I kind of had both sides of that experience. But I, I'm just, I've been recently sort of wondering where that comes from, how much of that is a good thing. Um, So yeah, I guess my question for you guys is it like is that something you notice in yourselves? Do you like tracing what you're talking about through to where you're at now has that resulted in in some specific kind of relationship to authority that you're that you've noticed or See, I think mine's been actually it's been kind of interesting because uh growing up up until like a sophomore year of high school my parents divorced I was very much like by the books follow the rules do what they say um and I respected authority um even after they got divorced I still respected authority I still did what most people in authority like what had would have asked me to do um and I like respected rules that they had set um but if it came to like my parents, there were definitely times that I intentionally was like, oh, you want me to do this. I'm not going to do this because you caused this pain to me. So I'm going to do this and see how much pain I can cause to you mm. by not doing this. That's interesting. Um, and there were definitely then times, even like more so senior year of high school when I started dating people, um, that there were a couple of people that I would have taught that I was talking to um who I think I talked to them intentionally because I knew more than likely my parents wouldn't approve of this individual um and so I was kind of like trying to like hurt my parents that way which is totally like I still look at that now and I'm like disgusted that I did that um but at the same time, then, like, when I got into relationships with people, I would kind of push the boundaries of things that my parents had said, like, don't do this. Uh, make sure um, to, like, act in this certain way. Um, and I definitely pushed those boundaries. And then when I got to college, um, I definitely think it went a lot further, um, especially in, uh, like, intimate relationships um as far as like following rules i still feel like i did i like followed rules from authority um but i think that was the place that i was rebellious was with my like parental relationships and it was that was very deliberate and very intentional 
And now I think it's the exact opposite where I'm back to like, if my parents ask me to do something, if I like go back home, um, I tend to do those things. Um, and I tend to not necessarily try to live up to their standards, but I definitely have that respect for them again. Um, that I had, didn't have for about like a six year stretch. That's kind of an interesting way maybe of coming at this from a different angle. Do you guys feel like you're, you grew up or had some sort of like larger family identity that you either had to live up to or that, or you were kind of pushing back against like to be part of this family means X we are, you know, whatever. I mean, outside of um, just like uh, my parents being Christians and, you know, being involved in our church, like, so there was that element, I feel like, growing up, like, that you need to make sure that you act a certain way, like, because we're involved, you know, we're heavily involved in church, like, some of those elements of, like, the way that you should act should reflect that because that reflects on my witness myself but also then on how my parents are raising me and stuff like that uh i you went feel like you were pretty aware of that like as a kid oh too. i was i was i was aware of that i think yeah huh. i i don't think it was though like super heavy i wouldn't say like I, I don't think it was super forced on me but i think it was it was something i was aware of but outside of that i don't really feel like like there was that external identity and i mean going back to your previous question too like i mean i don't feel like i ever really went through too rebellious of a phase i mean there's a you know few things but not really i feel like and i, I found it interesting you're tying the you know always hanging out with you know the older members of family and having those relationships with people that are older than me to how that how I re, you know relate with authority I think that's an interesting combination something I hadn't really thought of before because like as I look back like it, it's kind of always been that way I mean like Ben was saying like always gravitate towards hanging out with some of the you know people that are a little bit older than me um but also yeah like I've always I felt like had this strong relationship with authority figure figures like um and, and maybe you know pushing to please them more um, which mm-hmm. I had never really thought of tying back to that other element of those are the people that I gravitated to hanging out with more. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I would say as far as the identity aspect goes, I would say 100% yes. Um, a lot. I mean, that goes back to like the first episode of the podcast, like just with my life. Um, that was kind of the first domino that fell the first identity that I had lost was when my parents had gotten divorced all of a sudden this identity that I had been striving so hard to protect of not trying to ruin my family's reputation um, and trying to do everything by the book and be a really good student and um, kind of just put off this fake impressiveness I guess you could say Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was definitely rooted in that, and I, yeah, a hundred percent think it was rooted in that. Um, which could also be why I went through like a bit of an identity crisis because I was like, oh well, you know, 
this isn't here anymore. I don't have anybody else to impress. Don't need to really do anything by the book anymore. Um, don't need to try in school or anything either. Like that definitely happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I mean, looking back to uh, the episode of the podcast, my story, like I talked about like that idea of not really letting people in and mm-hmm. sharing where I was struggling, like always being that person that was there for other people, um, but not necessarily allowing myself to have those other people to rely on. Um, and and I'm, I'm kind of wondering if there were some elements of that, of like mm-hmm. seeing where, you know, maybe I'm not living up to the expectation that I've put on myself of like either, hey, I'm struggling with this or whatever, and not wanting to let other people into that because that would break down that facade of what looks like I'm the good Christian kid, you know. I, I mean, if you talk to anybody in my high school class, like... I was that good Christian kid that did school work well, and I never broke the rules. Mm-hmm. Like, that's probably what almost anybody in my high school class would say. There's stuff that they didn't know about, probably, um, that I just never let anybody in on, and stuff that I was struggling with through there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Don't know where I'm going with that, but yeah. <laughs> Would you say it's like really important to you to be like the the guy that the guy behind the guy, so to speak? Like you're you're the guy that like someone can depend on to just get stuff done. To be oh, yeah. like, okay, yeah, I've and you're like the facilitator. You just you gotta be the guy behind the guy. Yeah, I mean, look at my job. And, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm that's the what one I'm, behind that's the what I'm thinking that makes, of. Actually, makes everything work, and I think a lot of that does come from, yeah, that that might be a, a part of my identity that I've built up. That you know, I, I want to be that person that's there that anybody can come to and rely on, and if I show any weakness in that then I'm afraid that people won't feel like they're able to come to me for that. Right. You'll mm-hmm. kind of lose your, your value. Yeah. As a... Gosh, guys. <laughs> You're breaking me down here. <laughs> How does that make you feel? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Just going to keep drinking. I was going to say, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the message we want to send across. Just drink your beer. That's actually interesting because I hadn't even thought about that until you asked that. But, yeah, like, like, do we find jobs that we then, we do these jobs because that's how we've always found value? Like, I, I'm, I I'm curious now. Like, I mean, I do my job because I love it, pure right. and simple. Mm-hmm. But is there elements of I love it because it, it, it mirrors that element of those personal relationships what I look for of being able to be that person behind the curtain that propping up this person and making them look good I don't know that's an interesting thought and I I think there probably is that element of like we gravitate to jobs that help us to find that affirmation for lack of a better word that we're used to finding in our personal lives through elementary, high school, college, mm-hmm. and when you come out of college, then in the workforce, right? Like, are are you you're what? Where else are you going to find it once you get out of college? Like, yeah. like we've talked about those your relationships, your friendships, and stuff drop off after college. Like that that number generally will get a lot smaller. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, naturally, your job is then where you're going to find that affirmation of 
what you've always found in friendships and stuff like that. And so maybe, yeah, we do mm. gravitate to those types of things. And I'm I'm curious. I mean, we've, we've talked about as a possible future episode of talking about, like, those people that have made those shifts later in life to other careers. I'm kind of curious. That's something we'll need to remember to bring up. That is interesting. Yeah. And, I like, I don't know. For me, too, I'm just thinking about it now with the prospects of getting a new position that is polar opposites of what I'm doing now. Like, I... I'm looking at it because I know I would be, like, good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like I'm bad at my job right now. But, like... I don't know. It's actually really interesting of... Like, do you just become so comfortable with yourself? Because I would say I'm not anything like I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, heck, even when I went to college, I had started to change fairly dramatically. Um, some of that was in just appearance in general, but also just in personality-wise. Um, and it was enough to where when I graduated high school... I had come back for, like, our homecoming, and people didn't know who I was, who I had, like, graduated with until I started talking. Hmm. Um, But even now, like, I think if I were to go back and see the person that I was in high school, I don't know if I would recognize that person. Like, I would recognize them on the outside, but actually, like, on the inside, I don't think I would recognize that person because I'm so different from that individual now. But yet the things I find enjoyment with and the things that I'm good at, that I'm confident in are the same things. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's a balance. I mean, we, we kind of got into the subject of like jobs specifically. I think there's like a very reasonable place where you you know this is your livelihood it's okay to play to your strengths yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> and yeah I mean like we said it's a, a lot of that should and does come from just the way you learn to operate as a kid like you I, I think everybody learns okay this is the way the world works this is how I can fit into it in a way that doesn't get me run over mm-hmm. um, and we kind of continue doing that throughout adulthood too the flip side of that though is I think like this that's why stuff like this is kind of important to um corn just like using what you had said as an example there like yeah that you're really good at what you do Mm -hmm. I could also see that putting you in a position like you say where it's really hard for you to to feel comfortable opening up to people in a way that you need to, that everybody needs to, just because you're afraid you suddenly, like, lose value there as soon as there are any, like, cracks in the armor. And, or or even in a less, you know, maybe, like, emotional development sort of way, just there there are certain things that I think we get the idea we're bad at when we're young Mm -hmm. that might not be true. Um and that's interesting kind of been what you were saying about like your parents too, where, cause that, that for me, that mental shift of my parents sort of coming down to earth happened much later mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a traumatic thing. It was me 
starting to realize like okay some of the dynamics and between them and me growing up were not healthy because we're all human and you know they were trying their best but they're human too (laughs) and (laughs) um and it like it was a really good healthy process we we went and talked about it but like one of the things that occurred to me when I asked about just sort of the family identity was that that process of sort of talking through our weaknesses as a family didn't happen until I was like into my mid-20s and even the way my parents talked about their parents Mm -hmm. was very like they're legends these are like the greatest (laughs) people on earth and (laughs) super a, a lot of respect there um which is how I feel about my parents. And it, it's, it has gone through like kind of a, a um, sort of a, a growth process where I still respect my parents a ton, but like they've made a conscious effort to be very open about things they think they did wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that may have affected us, like my brothers and I, or um, things that their parents did that they've been reacting against that we, that like I may have ended up paying for (laughs) (laughs) as sort of a, a, um, now what's the word I'm looking for a a collateral damage, so to speak. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody has some of that, but I, the fact that that happened much later for me than it probably did for you, Ben is, interesting because I still I think early on had the the message I got was like my grandparents are awesome my Mm -hmm. parents are awesome (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I am not living up to any of this (laughs) (laughs) and only because I had an inside perspective on myself that like nobody else was being super open with their inside perspective on themselves so it like that I wonder as I'm thinking about that idea of like how I respond to authority now if that's just sort of like a habitual thing I've developed from Mm. that season of life Hmm. yeah interesting I mean like that so listening to this book uh this last week that's something that's just been crazy is there's things that I'll do like that I've done this week that I'll do it and then I immediately am like, why the heck did I do that? And I just like immediately start to backtrack. Like, okay, what frame of mind, how did I get to this spot? Like what in my past could have happened that could have like developed, developed me into being in that position and to thinking things that direction. Um, and it's even been like small things of just like phrases I've said or um, just not even not manu- not mannerisms, but the way I process things. Hmm. Um, Cause like my family wasn't very open. Like it was very much like more so you just tuck everything inside, lock it down, shove it all the way to the bottom, let it go. Um, and it's only been the last like three or four years where I've started to be different that way. And I mean, we've had conversations down here at night where we literally just off the cuff will go off for like two hours on a conversation about whatever. 
And I'm like sitting here thinking like after those this week I've been like how have I like flipped that script where mm-hmm. I've become where I've been able to talk about that because I was it wasn't necessarily that I was raised that way. It's just how we were as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it's interesting. Like I'm actually really curious as to, like what that would be that kind of caused that f- like script to flip. I almost said flipped to script. Figured. <laughs> um, but like, I'm wondering if part of it isn't just like actually being comfortable with myself. Yeah. I I'm and I've been thinking you know a similar thought of like and like I've talked about uh, that idea of not wanting to let anybody in but like you said like the three of us I mean granted we're incredibly close and we've gotten to know each other over the past few years mm-hmm. but yeah like I, I feel like very open with each other and stuff and I mean it's just fun like listening to you two talk about you know that idea of like when you started to realize like parents aren't you know perfect um, and like for me the the difference in our three stories is just interesting like um like i feel like in like it was mid high school for me or so mm-hmm. probably like and part of that was like my parents just being open um mm-hmm. and being honest um i mean I, there was a lot of other stuff just going on in our community life um like i talked about um during my story like a lot of church politics stuff going on and so i think there was a bit of that element that probably influenced it where my family were the bad guys at church it almost felt like um but because of that it led to my parents being you know i think more honest with themselves and then opening up with me and my sister and being like and being honest about where they're seeing you know spots where they're struggling and working on things and i i have to think that that probably has influenced me and pushed me to more of the point where i am today where i I feel like i'm able to be open and honest like that Mm -hmm. and but it is interesting just like trying to figure out i mean like we've been talking about this whole time trying to trace those paths of like all these different elements and i mean eventually they all culminate in this moment right now that makes me who i am yeah but like trying to trace all those elements back and how did this influence this and well how did i go like you said from this to this like it 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 is strange yeah and Again, like, we're just kind of verbally processing everything right now. Um, And it's something I really hope, like, you who are listening, that you're able to start processing through some of those things. um, That either you don't like about yourself or the things that are kind of, like, unwanted in your life. And you're able to go back and process and kind of take a overall view of your life and try to like start working through those things um and like if you need to go to like a counselor or something like do it like Mm -hmm. don't don't be afraid to do it it's honestly it can be some of the it can be extremely good for you um like as somebody who's done that yeah i benefited dramatically from it um but it's also important to have people in your life who you're able to talk about that with mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Um, just because I think it really helps you with a, have a good perspective on it. Um, and it's something that you, it could be an aspect of your life that you don't 
necessarily enjoy or think is good. But the people that are around you, that could be like one of the most in, like endearing thing, like aspects of your life that they've realized about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important just to have kind of that perspective as well of don't be afraid to talk to people that you're close with about things you're going through um, or things that you don't think are good in your life um, because they can help with just getting through those um, and just helps knowing you have somebody there, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, take it from a guy who, yeah, never let anybody else see, but was always taking everybody else's stuff. Um, Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Like having this relationship that I've been able to have with you two guys of just being able to be open and honest and talk about those kinds of things. I mean, heck, even just here tonight (laughs) recording this, like talking through some of this, like realizing I've really built up an identity around that element of being that guy that anybody can come to. And (laughs) I've haven't uh, consciously in the past really even realized that I often will shut myself off then from sharing Mm -hmm. with others because I'm worried about how that would affect people being willing to come to me and talk. And so, yeah, get those opportunities, find those people that you can trust and be open with and just process with. Like, I mean, I realize this is probably feels very disjointed, like listening to this here with us, because like we said, <laughs> we're just kind of externally processing. But sometimes this is the best thing that you can do is just sitting down with, you know, one or two other people that you trust and just start working through some of those things that you're thinking and getting input. It's amazing how somebody might say something that maybe is in the back of your head, but that triggers something and you're like, oh, that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things I'm kind of finding about this whole thing too is the like the a lot of this process for me has come down, and not just tonight, but like come, come down to realizing like a lot of this stuff is um, – based in our like own choices that we're making whether we're doing it consciously or not which mm-hmm. is good and bad news because one it, it <laughs> like it it means a lot i mean it means taking responsibility for where you're at now mm-hmm. um but it also means that you have a choice <laughs> like <laughs> you you get to choose and and that's one of the things that like has been eye-opening for me specifically just because I are coming into you know uh, out of high school into college even through a lot of college actually I realized I was at towards the end of college I was operating out of this kind of um I can't remember the word I'm looking for now (laughs) this is is happening to me more and more I am getting old (laughs) this is bad (laughs) Um, but operating out of this kind of assumption that like, if I'm bad at something, it's something I shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure where that comes from, but the, the idea that like, if I'm not naturally just really good at something, like mm-hmm. I should not be pursuing it sort of thing. So the idea of like almost hard work over talent was kind of foreign to me. And having that shift around where it was um, coming to a realization of 
know, you can choose to go after th- you can choose to get better at stuff that you're bad at just by committing and, and being willing to, you know, look stupid for a little while, like, <laughs> like dancing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying. I'm in in the same spot as Ben. This is not happening. At a a wedding, I'm never out on the dance floor. I want to get better. I really do. I don't. (laughs) It's interesting, though. I mean, the world gets a lot smaller once you start heading that direction. And and I think that that, you can blow that up into a a larger um, theme where realizing, you know, like a lot of who you are as a person is something that you have choices about. Um, Not all of it, but, but there is a lot more opportunity to grow and change than I think we often let ourselves pursue and stuff like this can help you kind of identify what, where you're making those choices without even realizing it. Yeah, yeah. I think like off of the cultural side of things for like us three doing this sort of thing is like very un very not normal for culture because we're three guys just having a conversation about life and like our past and our history um yeah and those those raw dirty details that you you don't want to share right and that's like one area that society's gotten so wrong for so long of just like for whatever reason there's a stigma around men being emotional or having emotions and having things that they struggle through that's just so off base and that's something that I really hope changes because it's like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make you weak honestly in my opinion makes you stronger as a person to be able to do that Um, because you have to identify there are things in your life that aren't great that you need help with Um, but it's something if you're if you are a male listening to this like understand that we have all been in that same situation of being absolutely terrified (laughs) to be open and to take down walls, um, to share with people. But it's something ultimately in the end is very, very beneficial. And I think all three of us would say the same thing of being open has been the best change I've seen in myself in the last four years. 100%. And, like, I, I really just hope that that continues. Not only for myself, but I just hope that that's a trend we start to see in culture. Um, is that stigma starts to get peeled away. And... Because, honestly, it's kind of just like a glass ceiling or a glass wall. Where it can be easily broken through, but you don't want to hit it because it's going to leave you broken it's going to leave you with gashes and it's going to leave you susceptible and open and it's going to show people the true you but that's also so important especially now 
Right. And and I think to like what you were saying, like, yes, it's, it's so good for yourself to be able when you're able to open up and share like that, but it's also really great for the people that you're opening up and sharing with. Mm-hmm. Like w- when you can get a glimpse into somebody else's life, um, what a better way to show somebody that you trust them and you care about what they think to be willing to share those broken parts of yourself with right. them. So the beer. Good. Good? Good. Okay, how warm is yours right now? I, I don't know. I'm terrible at judging temperatures. Okay, is it like, it's not cold? No, it's it's not fridge cold anymore. Okay. Uh, But definitely not close to room temperature at all. Is it like sitting out in like 40 degree weather cold? Sure, I'd okay. say, yeah, f- mid 40s. Guess. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, de- there's definitely, it's sweeter as it warms up. Uh, mm-hmm. The bitterness does go yep. away. Um, I do think it's really good. Um, yeah, I think that it's it, the dark chocolate is not as heavy of that dark chocolate. It's tending towards more of a like a semi-sweet chocolate, milk chocolate kind of you yep. know flavor. I think as that vanilla comes in, it went through like I mentioned earlier that that phase where like that bourbon just stood out right on top yep. for a second. But I think it's gotten past that now, and that's falling a little bit farther in the background. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I'm wondering if some of that bourbon flavor isn't what's also helping to sweeten it up. Bourbon right. being, you know, corn-based, it's a lot sweeter. Mm-hmm. I mean, relative term. But right. if that's helping also a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense, too. Um, just as, like, those chemicals were getting released as it warmed up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still um, getting quite a bit, like, almost more in the, like the aftertaste a lot of that bitter chocolate mm-hmm. taste yeah. still which i like that that's still there that's um it's actually kind of one of my favorite things about this beer but uh yeah but like definitely the the taste up front has gotten a lot sweeter mm-hmm. mine's still i think mine's probably about where yours is kind of mid 40s yeah something so still relatively cold but yeah i the the i i really like that that bitterness has persisted yeah while it's warming up um just because a a lot of these stouts like they've they've all been good but like as they warm up they get a lot sweeter and sometimes that can Mm -hmm. get really overpowering so um yeah i like that this one's kind of kept some of its bitterness yeah so since this is the last of the dark charge and we've had three of them uh the first one was vanilla second was the tiramisu and this one is just the normal dark charge, but uh, aged in bourbon barrels for a year. Which one of the three do you enjoy the most? Rate them one through three. I would say reverse of the order we tried them. This is my favorite, I would say, of the three. Mm-hmm. Then the tiramisu, and then the vanilla. I want to... I agree with that. Um, with the caveat that I'm, I'm wondering how much of that is just because this is the one I've tasted most recently, but mm-hmm. I'm, ju- I'm trying to remember the tiramisu one a little better. I, th- like I said, that one definitely was one of those. It gets sweeter as it warms up, yep. which is good, but it, I remember that getting a little overpowering towards the end. I think I liked it maybe more starting out as it was colder. Mm-hmm. This one I would rank just overall better. Cause it's kind of yeah. stayed a little more consistent. Um, the vanilla one, I I don't know. We'll have to retry it sometime. But that one yep. just kind of 
fell a little flat for me. Yeah. It, yeah. it it was a little. It seemed like it was fighting mm-hmm. with itself a little and bit. I, I'm leaving it in the last place, just remembering because those were back to back weeks that we did the vanilla and the tiramisu, and so I'm remembering comparing them to each other. And I remember the tiramisu being yeah much better yeah. than the vanilla mm-hmm. one was. Yep. So uh, just naturally, the vanilla falls to bottom place. But right, yeah, the vanilla one. It was a solid beer when it was warm. Yeah. But an overall drinking experience. This one's the best one. Yeah. In my opinion. The tiramisu, I would say when it hits like probably 35 to 40 degrees was the the ideal temperature. Maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit warmer than 40. But anything 45 degrees and over, it was... It lost a lot of the base taste that you needed for it mm-hmm. to be a solid beer. Um, but it was still good for at least the first half of it. Whereas that vanilla one, it was really only good if it was warm. Um, and this one, it's been good throughout the entire thing. Like when it was cold, it was great because you got a lot of the chocolate. It was very, very bitter. Uh, but yeah, now it's you get more of like the molasses vanilla yep. in that taste but yet you still get the bitterness of the chocolate at the very very end mm-hmm. um, which i appreciate yeah i definitely would still leave our gingerbread one from last week on the top of my list so yeah. far that was but good. yeah and again if you have recommendations so. for beer or whiskey feel free to send that to us um the email is society reborn 2020 at gmail.com i would seriously would appreciate any recommendations um including you could even recommend ipas um i say that tongue-in-cheek because i don't enjoy ipas we found one that you guys do yeah we did have an ipa that i did find enjoyable so i think next week we might take a shot at an ipa but we'll see yeah we'll bring him around I mean, he's brought us around to stouts, right? So it's only fair. I mean, I'm still holding out on principle. Okay, well, I just <laughs> he's brought me. Around. I just drink a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I know it was very, like Corn said, it's probably seemed very disjointed. Um, but I just hope that it helps you with being able to process things out better. Um, it just really helps you kind of think th- think through things that you might look at right now that just doesn't make sense like with your life um that you're trying to make sense of don't be afraid to reflect on those um and take a deeper dive into those yeah and like ben talked about obviously requests or suggestions for beer or whiskey always love them but also suggestions for topics um we, we've got a few ideas um to talk through um, and a lot of those, uh, we have some people already in line that we're thinking about asking on to talk through. Like we had Abby and Hannah on last week. But yeah, I mean, if you guys have things that you want to hear us talk about, um, definitely bring those up. Well, we're definitely going to be, we have some ideas, like I said, to talk through. So not every episode will be like this where it's just that external processing kind of thing. Uh, but they might come up from time to time. But definitely if you guys have ideas, let us know.